Hello, my name is Neil Sutton, editor of Canadian Security Magazine. I'm very pleased to present the first episode of Security Women, the podcast. This podcast is hosted by Sylvia Frazier, the Director of Transformation, Workplace Strategies and Modern TO at the City of Toronto. Sylvia is well known to Canadian security readers as a recipient of both our Security Director of the Year and Community Leader of the Year awards. She was also the first guest on our Security Leaders podcast in April. Sylvia is joined by three guests in the premiere episode of Security Women to talk about the impact of COVID-19. So enough from me, here's Sylvia to introduce her guests. Hi everyone, and welcome to our very first session of Women in Security podcast. It is my absolute uh, pleasure to host a series of this, this podcast that will air over the next year. And um, with me today, I have three very, very special women in security, which um, you, you all know from the, the industry. And our focus today will be to talk about COVID recoveries. And I've invited Suzanne Alsayed, Marty Katiris, and Nicole McNeil to join us today in our discussions. But before we start, I wanted to introduce them. You'll be amazed by their backgrounds, and I've been very happy to have worked with each one of them in various capacities. So we have Suzanne Al-Sayed. She's a trilingual French, English, and Russian emergency management and security specialist in Toronto. She has over seven years experience in various roles within the public and private sectors with expertise in facilitating multidisciplinary projects involving internal and external stakeholders. She has a bilingual bachelor in political science, bilingual honors bachelor in international studies, and a master's in disaster and energy management. I've had the pleasure to work with Susanna, and we continue to work as part of the SIS Publishing Committee with the Women in Security Council, so it's my pleasure to invite Susanna. And next, we have Marty Katiers. Um, she's a global public safety manager with the global organization ADP. In her current role with the global security organization, she is responsible for physical security, system design and implementation, life safety and workforce protection, comprehensive physical security assessments, investigations, security vendor management and workplace violence in all the offices on her portfolio, which includes uh, Canada, the US and Europe. In addition to her professional experience, Marty is an active member of SIS International since 2009, and she's currently the chair of the SIS Toronto chapter. She's uh, also serving in the uh, Physical Security Council part of SIS as vice president of the Global Committee and on the Educational Committee. Marty was also the very first female in Ontario to achieve her PSD designation in 2013. Marty also has her Certified Homeland Protection Professional designation through the National Sheriff's Association of Homeland Security, as well as a member status of the Security Institute. Marty is currently en enrolled in Ryerson University's Computer Security and Digital Forensic Certification Program. And it's my pleasure to have worked with Marty as part of the SIS chapter and, and the Women in Security Committee as well. Nicole McNeil is next. It's my pleasure to introduce Nicole. She's the head of business resilience and physical security for the TMX group. She's responsible for the physical security and business resilience programs, which encompasses security, business continuity, disaster recovery, and crisis management. Nicole has worked for the TMX group for the past 14 years. Nicole studied law enforcement at Seneca College and has worked in the security profession since 1991. She is a designated CPP, a CMCP, Crisis Management Communication Professional, and Associate Business Continuity Professional. 
what a lot of experience we have in, in today's podcast. My goodness. And I'm so, so happy to have worked with everyone. And I have learned so much. And today we are here to talk about COVID. So, you know, we've been in this uh, pandemic for a couple of months now. In, in, as security professionals, we have been involved in this right from the beginning. And we continue to just as we start to talk about our recovery plans. So let's start from the beginning. What are some of the challenges and opportunities you have experienced in your response to COVID? And I will start with Susanna, if you can share with us your experience. Thank you very much for the kind introduction, Sylvia. I'll sort of divide the question into two and start with, uh, off with the challenges. So personally, the challenge that I had is not seeing my family often, especially with the fact that my mother works on the front lines. So that is quite challenging personally. And in regards to work, uh, fortunately, I did not have any challenges adapting to working from home as I have done it pre in previous roles. Uh, so that was a blessing in disguise as I already have learned how to organize my day and assignments. However, I'm not gonna lie, at the beginning, I had little challenge to keep up with the flow of information. Every country, organization, and people are reacting and responding differently, and everyone has their own plans or agenda that they are following. So it took us as a humanity a couple of weeks to get aligned and cooperate. However, even then, we are all as people still learning how to work with one another. And to answer the second part of kind of the question, um, Sylvia, in regards to the opportunity, it really depends on what you do with your time. That is where really the true definition of opportunity comes in, in my opinion. Some may take this opportunity to relax. Some may take the opportunity to work on themselves or read all the books that have gathered dust, uh, some may be taking a course or learning new skills, and all of these choices are, of course, wonderful. But professionally, I found that the opportunity is to, that I took is to really understand how it has impacted our health, our society, and especially our economy. And as you've mentioned, I did do a master's in disaster and emergency management, and so it's nice to really exercise and put academia into the practical world. And personally I have taken the opportunity to do more research on trending topics and to see how it impacted us directly and uh, of course write about it and some of the articles have also been published within as you mentioned in the women in security community publishing committee that's great I, I personally can relate to a lot of these experiences and it has we can all I, I think um, you know share those and thank you for for your feedback on that uh, Marty, what are some of the challenges? You know, overall, from a professional and, and workplace standpoint, some of the challenges we faced um, was just people not getting the message right away, uh, you know, maybe not taking it seriously. And as an organization, we did, but some associates, some employees maybe didn't uh, heed it to the respect it needed at the, at the moment, you know. Before the government stepped in and put emergency measures in place, there was still like the unknown and, and you know, we could still maybe hold off and we'll give it some time and maybe we don't need to cancel this and, and, and postpone that. And, you know, it's just that unknown factor. And, and until that government stepped in, the provincial government, city governments, the, the national governments um, and put things in order, that's when companies realized, oh, now we gotta, we have no choice. There's no more thinking. And when you're planning, I'm, I'm also looking at this from the ASIS perspective, we have events in place, 
uh, booked and we were sitting on the fence, should we cancel, should we not cancel? Is it, you know, something that we can hold off on before we make a decision? You know, those are the challenges that we or I face, um, both professionally and uh, personally. Now, the opportunities were also um, there. Uh, this is new. This is something no one has ever faced. So there's a lot of opportunity for leadership, for stepping in and providing guidance. You know, people turn to security for a lot of uh, the unknowns, uh, and they turn to us for guidance, for advice, for even how we should react to something like this. And it's a, it's a great uh, chance for us to step in and take on that leadership role and learn and provide guidance and based on best practices from our regular duties and responsibilities, we just apply it to this scenario as well. So. Like Susanna said, there was also a lot of um, information out there right now because this is a new thing we're all facing. So there's a lot of webinars, a lot of podcasts out there, and you can learn. You can use this opportunity to learn so that in the future, God forbid it happens again, we're even more prepared. Thank you, Marty. Uh, very, very well said. We've all been uh, exposed to so many different challenges. And, uh, you know, with, uh, as we continue to go through it and even going through the recovery, there's a continuous learning coming forward. We'll, we'll touch on that in the next question. But, uh, Nicole, I'm going to go to you for uh, with this the, the same question in terms of some of the challenges and uh, opportunities that you have experienced in their response to COVID. Thank you, Sylvia. Um, I think the, um, I'm going to say a quick answer. Uh, technology was both a, a challenge and an opportunity um, when first looking at our response. And what I mean by that as an opportunity is technology now today is, provides us with the ability to gather scientific and factual data really quickly. So it allowed us to track a COVID-19 before it was actually even close to either any of our international offices. When it was still uh, breaking out in Wuhan, if you didn't have an office in that location, it allowed you to track it and trend it to potential um, different locations. So that was actually a great opportunity. But also technology also supported us in allowing us to um, easily reach out uh, to our industry peers using um, varying uh, technology to reach out to our ASIS members, industry groups, etc., to efficiently benchmark ourselves against um, our industry peers on how we were, we were responding and how we were proactively. And that really helped us um, advance, take a, a real proactive response instead of a knee-jerk fear uh, decision. But also the challenge was technology as well and the fact that we had the information and so did everybody else. And so then what happened to social media, then there was a big challenge of separating fact from fear. And so therefore, while we were re gathering response plans based on factual information, the there was employees, our employees were scared. There was a lot of employees that were very fearful that this, what, what were we going to do and why weren't we doing enough? And like Marty mentioned, you know, we had to wait for government direction, our emergency management systems to be put in place. It's really hard to direct your company or advise your company to activate a response plan when you've got it based on nothing at the time. So it was a very much a challenge as well. Uh, so you had to adjust uh, your response with using this data, uh, separating that fact from fear and and then activating on a response plan based on fact and managing that fear as well. 
Thank you, Nicole. Very, very good point in terms of the technology and how um, it, it became such an enabler for us to actually continue to do our work and, and be able to be there for our organizations and support them in, in ways that otherwise we wouldn't have been able to. You know, now that we're, uh, you know, we're looking at the recovery period and uh, I know from uh, my current job with the City of Toronto, one of the things that I've been asked to, to work on was a strategy for, uh, you know, for ret return to work and, and everyone is asking and uh, having discussed with other organizations as well and, you know, how are we re returning to work? What is the plan? You know, when and how and, and so forth. Um, and, of course, getting direction from the, the public health officials and, and so forth. But the planning has started uh, in many organizations and uh, is, is the one aspect that we're, we're all focusing on now. So the question that I'd like to pose uh, to the three of you is, um, what are those, uh, some of the key aspects that you're, you're considering as, as part of uh, this, knowing that, you know, of course, safety is, is number one, and how are we doing that with the so social distancing uh, in our facilities and from a risk perspective and, and so forth. So, Suzanne, so I'm going to go back to you for, uh, for this question, and we'll, we'll go in order. So the key aspect that I would consider is that before even stepping into the recovery period, I believe it is crucial to actually identify how the recovery period might look like, as well as identifying what the new normal is. So we as people and of course as professionals have lived and are living through a pandemic, uh, we will now be of course more aware of how a virus can impact us and our way of living, um, especially financially as we are all observing here um, in Canada. We now know that our lives can turn 100 degrees overnight. So during this recovery period, there needs to be a sense of quote-unquote um, security that is implemented that will allow the employer and employee to feel safe, not only physically, but also mentally. And as May is um, Mental Health Month, uh, I think it's very important to mention it since I think that mental health should be a must when even talking about the recovery period. Uh, because we need to understand if and how a dramatic event or incident impacted our employees. And as an employer, what you can do to ease that process for them. So the recovery phase can be a very tricky question and subject because as security professionals, we might approach it differently than an emergency manager would, for instance, or a grocery chain will approach it differently than a warehouse would. So I guess the key aspect would be to customize the procedures and recovery operations. So customization is very crucial during this period. Absolutely. Um, you know, looking at uh, a different business lines within the different organizations and how, you know, the, uh, you know, the criticality of those and, you know, what must open and when and so forth. And I see us as a security profession really being there to, to enable that business to return to work and, and being so agile and nimble to be able to, to capture that for sure. Uh, Marty, what are some of the aspects that you are considering um, in this recovery period? Uh, above all, health and safety of our associates is always going to be the, the number one thing, not just for my company, for I'm sure every company out there. Uh, the last thing you want is to jeopardize the health and the well-being of any of your employees or your associates. But along with that, you know, we also have our, our jobs to protect, uh, you know, our sites and, and our buildings and our assets and our company's brands. And, and, and we don't want to put any... Uh, undue risk there. So um, 
there's going to be a lot of planning that's focused on health and safety, uh, how things are going to be implemented in a return to work. Uh, we're going to have to look at, you know, life safety processes because now, you know, things have changed in the office. It's not going to be everyone in at once kind of thing. And then higher level, like you, you look at the, the aspect of insider threat, you know, again, from my perspective, I deal with physical security. Uh, associates are always our extra eyes and ears, you know, they're the extra sense of security we have on top of cameras and other surveillance and, and whatnot. So with less people in the office, you know, is there going to be a higher risk of insider threat and, and what can we do to combat it? So there's going to be a lot of things to consider. No one answer will fit all. Uh, we're going to learn as we go. We got to be prepared as we can be. But there's also going to be a huge learning curve, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the learnings are, are, are huge. And um, what I find with, uh, with the recovery planning is that um, it, it's really being informal of what is happening within the organization and really be able to understand how uh, we can best benefit the organization through our, through our services uh, from a, an overall uh, security, security risk and so forth. So one of the things, um, you know, with technology, talking about technology is cybersecurity, right? So while our, our buildings were empty, you know, everybody is online and, uh, and those are uh, key aspects that have to be considering um, as, we, as we talk about not just the, the recovery period, but also going forward. Nicole, from your area, what are some of the key aspects are you considering? So I think we um, have some, uh, what I call guiding principles. These are our principles that we ensure that, um, that guide us from all of our decisions on all areas of focus. So as Marty, Susanna, Sylvia, you've all said, health and safety of our employees is our number one um, guiding principle. And obviously the continuation of our business or business continuity is always a close second. But I think it's also important, um, our role as security professionals is also to protect our, our organization as a whole. So um, by ensuring that we are always compliant with government and health officials on their recommendations and guidelines is a, a key driver that we need to ensure. And I also think it's important when looking at the recovery strategies, it doesn't matter where you are, all the guidance that has come out so far on reopening, whether it be opening up a city, opening a province, a country, an office, um, their guidance has always been indicating that if you can work remote, you should continue to do so. So the importance of us as, as security professionals is to, while we're looking at our recovery plans, is to have that balance we are in a good spot right now. We don't need to rush to get back. I understand there's many of organizations that are closed or they're working at a very limited capacity and they want to get back to the office. So what you look at is balancing many different areas of focus and balancing that consideration versus coordination. So following the guidelines uh, around physical distancing, around um, wearing a protective personal equipment, et cetera, these are the types of things that are going to protect our employees no matter where they are, no matter whether they're working remotely, no matter where, if they are commuting into the office, no matter where. So it's not necessarily around us defining each area as part of our recovery plan, but it's considering and working in coordination because it's a lot of logistical planning, working with landlords, working with the transportation sector, working with health sector, working with energy sector, depending on, on your area of um, operation. Thank you very much, Nicole. The guidelines are, are uh, very, very important, those guiding principles, right? How are we approaching it from a safety perspective? Um, and then from there, in building our, our plans uh, going forward. 
Um, so looking at the future, we as professionals like to, like to really, really plan ahead. So the things that we've learned uh, about, Susanna, what is the one thing that you would like to share that you will definitely do to prepare for, for the future? That is another delicate question because yes, we're facing a global pandemic right now. However, that is not the only incident that can occur or that exists. It is just that our entire focus is on COVID-19 um, at this moment. However, it is, I would like to point out that it is like on a daily basis around the world, we are faced um, with natural disaster, terrorism, war, extreme weather, gun violence, and of course, other unfortunate events. So now we, I just don't want us to focus entirely our future on COVID-19 and what we, we can do about it and just focus on what we can do as security professionals for the future. So personally, um, I will try and be prepared as best as I can um, with what might possibly occur within my surrounding environment. And if something does occur, I'll be ready not only personally, but also professionally to help and respond accordingly, just to have like a more of a world perspective on this question. It's a very important one um, uh, just as well. Marty, how about uh, from your side, um, what, what, are, what is the one thing that you'd like to share that you'll, um, you'll definitely do to, to prepare for the future? No matter how much we prepare, uh, you know, there's always going to be a situation where we're not going to be completely prepared. Uh, and we have to keep that in mind. And that's okay. Um, as long as we have our, our baseline, our best practices, um, our go-to plans, which a lot of them are adaptable and they can be um, aligned with whatever crisis you're facing. Uh, you know, have your relationships ready. Have your uh, vendors and your key folks that you rely on in situations like these in any kind of emergencies, whether it's your facilities personnel, your, your landlords or property managers, your human resources, um, your health and safety teams, have all those relationships ready. Don't wait until crisis hits to turn to these people that you're going to need to work with to resolve the problem. So, but, but also keep in mind that, like I stated initially, no matter how much preparedness and, and things we have in place, we can always be caught with something that we didn't have planned for or we didn't think of. And that's okay. As long as the base is there and the relationships are there, you should be able to, to get through it. Thank you. Moving on to Nicole, uh, from your area, uh, what is the one thing you'd like to share? Well, I think because of uh, my business resilience background, you know, I'd like to say that we were prepared and, and that the level of prepare, what I mean by that is not referencing that others were not, is that really planning, testing has always been a, a fundamental part of a business resilience program. But I think my biggest thing that I'm planning for, or what I've learned and prepares me for the future, is that this response has been an, as an international response and this is completely has going as changing um, the security world, crisis management, emergency management, business continuity, pandemic planning permanently. Many organizations and have a majority of their workforce either working remotely. As this continues, the longer this goes on for, it demonstrates that our ability to continue to do business, which planning for the future, we got to consider the majority of our workplaces, can they have a, rem a remote workforce? And in doing that, that obviously reduces the impacts caused by 
pandemics, office fires, floods, natural disasters, uh, physical terrorist attacks, gun violence, etc. It will definitely reduce those level of impacts. We'll still obviously need to be prepared, but it definitely changes the impacts and how we respond, and it doesn't make us more resilient. Thank you, Nicole. Those are very, very great points because it does affect our, our industries. Uh, it affects the way we do our jobs in the future. And and the one thing that I think that, um, you know, we, we have learned through all this is how agile we already are and how much better are we going to become uh, just from the learning of this pandemic. Lots of work to do. I really, really enjoy seeing the um, engagement of the security professionals through, you know, through social media uh, and the amount of sharing through the various platforms and, you know, webinars and so forth. And, um, you know, it can be overwhelming, of course, because there's just so much information. But in the same time, you know, I can see that trend in, in all different industries, how, how professionals just come together and, and say, hey, nobody should start from scratch. You know, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Can we share this? Can we share that? And and I find that through Canadian Security Magazine, ASIS, all the different programs out there that are really, really helping us to, to come together. So I, I really appreciate it, uh, you know, even the opportunity to do this podcast and, and for us to actually be able to broadcast it and, and get out there. Um, the goal of this series and uh, the same with uh, the series that uh, Neil and Canadian Security Magazine are putting out is is really to be thought-provoking, inspirational, and, and really getting people to to be out there and, and share their experiences. So with that, um, I really, really enjoy our conversation. I really, really enjoy the, the different points of view that all of you bring. You come from different areas, and which is what posed the question that what is everybody doing? And I hope that our uh, our listeners and our audience are going to benefit from that. And uh, and I'm sure we're going to continue to publish and, and put more information out there for everyone to share. So with that, I'd like to thank you all. Again, this was our first podcast on women in security, and uh, what a great way to start with, you know, three very strong women in security professionals who um, have truly made a, a difference and are continuing to, to make that difference in the industry. Thank you, Canadian Security Magazine, for offering this opportunity. So uh, with that, uh, I'll say uh, take care. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us for the first episode of Security Women, the podcast. You can find future episodes, plus other security-related podcasts, at canadiansecuritymag.com. I'm Neil Sutton. Thanks for listening.